hello, hi, and welcome to and or back to the Jet Rail Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Trees, and on this week's episode, I have quite a few of your questions to answer, some issues to address, and some things to go over. My cats have decided that uh, while they have not eaten all day, that now is the time to start crunching as loud as possible next to me. Um, <laughs> but hopefully uh, that will stop eventually, and then we can get on to this episode. Can you hear that? Jeez. So loud. Let's, you know what? Let's play loud music. Three, two, one, go. After a listener sent me an email, um, I got to thinking and deliberating over my last episode and, um, After reading that email, I realized I was far too flippant about what I was saying about ADHD and meds and um, things of that nature. And um, apparently, uh, it came across like I was um, hating on medication. And I think why that happened is because people are so quick to um, think that you just want Adderall because it's like a stimulant and um, you know, it's, it's like meth, but it's not <laughs> meth. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it comes with a stigma and, um, I know a lot of people in college take it, you know, to study and cram for exams and stuff like that. And, um, there's just a stigma around it that like nobody really needs it. And I felt a little bit, I guess, like defensive, like I was trying to get ahead of the curve. Um, but in no way whatsoever was I trying to uh, downplay taking medication or shame it or make it seem like, um, you know, I'm just being so all over. Like, I try to keep the podcast light and I, because like, I personally have a bit of an issue with taking the medication all the time. Um, this will likely be my first episode on it. Um, but it, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I like, I like my brain. And I, when I say that, that is not to imply that if you, um, like your brain, you can't take medication. Um, because I also like my brain when I'm on Adderall and, um, it's actually, what is it called? It's called D-amphetamine salt combo compound. Um, so I have the off-brand kind because I have awesome American insurance, um, <laughs> but it is really working for me, and um, it's it's been a, an incredible change. Like um, I still feel like me. There's a little bit less noise, um, and by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit less noise. I'm able to concentrate and focus, and my brain is quiet, and I can do tasks for long periods of time and actually get them done instead of bouncing all over the place. So. Um, you know, I just, I really, I feel so bad because I, I feel like I unintentionally, um, made it sound like using or taking, uh, prescribed medication for mental health, um, uh, solutions was wrong. And that's not what I, like, strictly it was coming from the defense that, um, literally everyone in my life, (laughs) my therapist and my family were all like, you just want speed. And I was like, what? No, 
I was like, I don't even hardly drink. Like maybe once in a blue moon I'll drink and I don't smoke or do anything like that. And I, I just am not a, a like a person that enjoys getting high. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying it t- to hopefully provide some evidence to the fact <laughs> that I did not go out of my way just to, you know, get prescribed a, a drug. That wasn't the deal. It is because I have ADHD <laughs> and, um, uh, I've just been a little bit invalidated. So please forgive that um, that reaction that was not well thought out and it could have been handled better. And again, in no way was I saying that you can solve your problems without medication or you should ignore your doctor and their directives. Um, I feel like maybe ADHD medicine, I could be totally wrong. I am not an authority figure on this. Um, and while I am studying psychology, I do not have all of the information Um I just, I feel like ADHD meds is one of those things that like, it doesn't have to be taken all the time to work. Whereas for my understanding, depression and, um, well, anxiety meds, it, it depends. Um, Oh God, I had a bug on my shoulder. I have gnats in my house. It's very annoying. Um, but I feel like anxiety meds, at least when I took them, it was kind of like a case-by-case thing, not an all-day, everyday thing. But I do know people who are on some, and it like your body has to acclimate to it. And if you get off of it, you have to, um, you know, take like you have to microdose out of it. And um, or what is that? I don't know what you call that. Um, wean off of it. <laughs> That's the word. Um, so. Uh, that wasn't to say that I think that everybody just needs to take their medicine whenever they feel like they need it. That's, um, that's not it, nor did I mean to shame anybody that does have to take uh, medication for um, some solutions with things that they've got going on with their mental health. Um, I think that my response, like I said, came from a place of feeling like I have to over-justify everything because uh, nobody believed me and they just said that I was overreacting or being dramatic, um, which as a woman... I love that. <laughs> um, or that I um, just needed to meditate more. And I was like, okay, so with that logic, we would tell somebody with anxiety to chill and depression to think positively. It doesn't work like that. And um, so, yeah. And I'm not advocating um, for, uh, you know, not taking medicine. I Obviously, I'm on it. I think it's it's helped me so much. Like the first day that I took it was like I accomplished and made all of my appointments and my homework and did everything that I'd been putting off for three months. It was like I finally just broke past that barrier and got everything done and then I could relax and like watch a movie and chill. And um, yeah, it's it's been really nice. Um, I do like to not be on it all the time though just because um, it does have some side effects of like kind of like lightheadedness and um sometimes I just I feel like I I get in the zone too hard and I like forget (laughs) that I'm living I don't know if that makes sense um I don't know what you would call that um but I just like get so in work mode I forget that I'm me and um it's it's a little unsettling I feel like I'll get used to it but um also, it makes me super dehydrated, and I have a really hard time staying hydrated anyway because I sweat like a mofo. Um, <laughs> so that's me, sweaty gill. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's I will be drinking water frequently throughout this podcast because it dries out my mouth really bad. Um, so for those reasons, and I just I feel a little bit. It's pro- I would this is what I would assume most people feel like. It's very chill, relaxed, 
but at the same time, I feel a little bit foggy because my brain is normally on like high drive, um, which I don't know, maybe somebody who's neurotypical, obviously I would never know because I can't experience a neurotypical brain, but like, I feel like that would be like heightened anxiety maybe, or just like too much all at once. Um, but for me, like, and I'm not saying that one brain is better than the other, obviously it is all about preference. And I obviously, you know, if I had grown up without ADHD, I would probably prefer that brain over the ADHD one. It is all about relativity. And I grew up being a certain way and that is what I'm most comfortable with. And that's where I feel like I'm me. Um, but I mean, I really don't feel like being on Adderall. It's Adderall XR, by the way. It's like the extended release. So I just have to take one in the morning. Um, the other problem that I do have with it is, um, sleeping is not going well. Um, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but like, um, a few years ago, I think it was like the summer that I first moved out here. Um, a lady was boarding her horse and she asked me to get on him. Long story short, did not tell me the horse hadn't been ridden in 10 years. And it threw me rightfully. So, um, I thought she'd been riding it cause I'd seen her on her other horses. I, I didn't know. She told me he had, he would like throw a little crow hop every now and again. She did not tell me he bucked like that. And he bucked and did a quarter horse spin. I ride thoroughbreds. I am not prepared for that. <laughs> and so obviously he dumped me and I hit the ground and hit my head and got a concussion. And from then on could not sleep. And it was like the most mild of mild concussions. Um, like they were like, mm, probably you'd have got one. And I was like, cool. I'll run with that. Um, could not sleep. I, and it wasn't even a placebo. I had no idea that that was a, um, side effect of concussion until I looked it up after the fact, but, oh my God, I could not sleep. And like, it was, it was bad. I was waking up just about every other hour because it would take me another hour to fall back asleep. And then I would wake up the following hour and like, Oh, it was so bad. Like I would get in bed at like 11 and then it would take me until 12 to fall asleep. And then I might sleep until one and then I'd be up and then I'd, uh, take me until two to fall asleep and then I would wake up at three and it was so frustrating. I just, I remember like screaming all the time in the middle of the night cause I was so mad at my body cause my brain just wouldn't shut off. It was so frustrating. And, um, I finally got it under control where it only takes me about like 30 minutes to fall asleep now. Um, I've done a lot of, um, like, I guess, I guess it's meditation. It's kind of like mindfulness, just like focusing on a story or one thing and concentrating on it really hard. My brain or mind still wanders. And like, I think about 8,000 different things while I'm doing that one, but I bring myself back to it. And every time I get a little bit more tired, every time I have to redirect back to the story. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but wow, being on Adderall, uh, it, I am just like, I just lay there most of the night. I don't put my phone in my room anymore because I would get on it um, and, or it would light up and that bothers me. I have to sleep with pitch black darkness all the time. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's really the biggest issue that I've had with it, I think, is just um, just not being able to sleep. And that's not to say that everyone would react that way. Um, everyone reacts to di- medications differently. And if you are considering getting tested for ADHD, don't let any of the things that I have said, um, make you shy away from using it. Um, because I mean, I haven't stopped. I don't feel like I'm being too sleep deprived. Um, I have noticed an increase in how often I wake up. Um, and I'm going to have to have a conversation with my doctor about that. Um, but I really don't want to get on like, um, 
sleep medicine because I'm really tired during the day already. Um, so I don't know if that would mess with that or not. I mean, that's just going to have to be a doctor conversation, but, um, and I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel really bad about, um, because, uh, as the person mentioned in the email, like I am studying clinical mental health counseling, um, and therefore am somewhat of a authority figure and authority figure on, um, psychology and mental illness. Um, and, um, I just feel really bad for just absolutely butchering the previous episode and just not really being tactful in how I handled it. Um, I hope this one is better. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope it provides some context as to why I said what I said as well. <laughs> like that it's just, it's been a few years now of me trying to convince the people around me and they're like, oh my God, no, you just talk a lot. Doesn't mean you have ADHD. No, you can't concentrate. Well, it's because you don't want to like things like that. And it's just really frustrating. And, um, so that episode purely came from a place of, um, you know, like just feeling like I had to justify why I was on meds and like saying that, oh, I'm not going to take them all the time to like prove a point that like, I'm not like doing it because I'm addicted to like substances or anything like that. And so like, that was my own personal, um, issues that I brought into that. So I apologize. That is not what I meant to say. Again, if I made anybody feel bad or shameful or, um, like you should stop taking your medicine. Dear God, I hope not. Um, uh, I just really did not think about it. And, um, I sincerely apologize for that. Um, that said, I think, um, I'm going to take a drink of water because wow, my mouth is dry. It's normally not so bad, but, uh, today I was out in the sun, uh, working with ponies and, um, then I took a break and then did a bunch of work inside. And then I went and worked with more ponies and got sweaty again. And my body is just like, what's hydration? And I'm drinking tons of electrolytes and still does not stick in my body. Um, but yeah. Okay. So let's move right along. I hope I covered that. Um, please let me know if you're still, um, you know, kind of like confused or like want to double check what I meant about something or if I said something off-putting again please let me know because I really do try to be aware and not because like this podcast is me being honest and um you know vulnerable talking about things that um you know are maybe a little bit scary to talk about um so be nice to me but at the same time call me out if I do something that's not cool because I need to be corrected and I can't grow if I don't know I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Anyway, so moving right along, um, that was a very convincing opening to get you to support me on Patreon. Uh, here's, let me just talk for 10, 15 minutes about why I've screwed up and then pay me. Um, but yeah, so, um, I do want to, uh, encourage you guys to check out my Patreon. If you are able to support, I have $5 through $35 tiers, all offers different benefits from asking a training question to multiple to getting full on training advice in a video, private phone call, um, any and all of those things. Uh, can be done on Patreon. Um, if you become one, you can become one for a month and then uh, cancel your subscription if you would like. Um, I recommend doing it at the at like 
day one of the month because there's like this upfront fee. So um, if you want to become a patron for, say, this month, it's July 13th. So, I mean, maybe you could still feel like you get the month's worth, um, especially since the first live Q&A hasn't happened yet, uh, which I will talk about in a moment. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, hey, brain. Come on. Um Mm, okay, so if it's like if it's like the 26th of July, um, I wouldn't recommend getting it then. Um, as a uh, frugal person myself, I would wait until um, the 1st of August because then you'll just pay for the whole month and you won't just like double pay, you know. Um, so you won't pay for four days of July and then have to pay again on August. Does that, I hope that makes sense. Um, okay, so... That is my tip for you, friends. Um, but I do want to say um, we're not too far into July yet. So you could get it now and then join the first live Q&A. So this is unlocked for the $10 and up tier. Um, so if you just want to watch the Q&A but you don't, and participate in it, but you don't want to um, continue paying $10 a month, you can cancel your subscription after um, the Q&A. You'll just pay for this month and then next month you'll either not have a subscription or you can lower it to the $5 one or whatever you want to do. Um, totally up to you. You guys, you don't have to like commit to anything, you know, supporting long term if you just want to do it once. Um, that's totally okay as I'm, I'm a college student, so I get it. I am broke and I've had so many of you guys email me and be like, I'm saving up for a horse, but I really want to support you on Patreon. Um, I'm going to try for next month. And I was like, no, 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 no. You, you save up for your horse. Do not worry about me. Um, only if you're able, um, it's not a big deal at all, but, um, we do have fun things going on. So anyway, this Q and a, geez, stay on topic. Um, <laughs> the Q and a is, um, it's going to be through YouTube and I will post a link on Patreon. Um, it'll be an unlisted link. So only patrons, the $10 tier and up patrons will have access to that link. So nobody else, uh, if you go to my YouTube channel while it's happening, you will not see it because you will not have the link. Um, so going to be unlisted and available to $10 tier patrons only. Um, and if you want to become one, you can go to patreon.com slash jet podcast. It's linked in the description of this podcast. If you want to go there or on my website, uh, jetequithery.com, you can find it there. Um, but I am looking at the poll right now because I did a poll on Patreon because I know how to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm very proud of myself. So far, 86% of the votes uh, are for Friday, July 17th at 5 p.m. So that's this coming Friday at 5 p.m. There you go. It's central time also because I live in Arkansas. Um, so if that works for you and you want to participate, then you can uh, become a Patreon or become a patron for this month. And um, then... I will send out a message to everyone on uh, the 17th, probably around 4 to remind you. Um, and then um, then uh, it'll go at 5. And then uh, you can ask me all of the questions you want. We'll go as long as I am physically able. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think, I think that sounds pretty good to me. Um, so I hope that makes sense. Sorry that took so long to explain. Um, I've never done this before, so... Um, I just wanted to inform you guys, but that would be a good place to get your training questions answered in real time um, with me talking to you and watching me fumble through it and think on my feet, which is what I do on this podcast anyway. <laughs> um, 
or me telling you I don't know, which would be really frustrating. Um, and hopefully that will not happen. I try to at least have a brainstorm. But yeah, that way um, you wouldn't have to wait the whole week for the podcast for me to answer. Um, but yeah, let's get into some questions. So the first thing that I want to say before we get into these questions is that if you become a patron of the podcast, which now is the only way that you can ask me training questions, by the way, message me on Patreon. Uh, Every single one of you so far have done that. Nobody's emailed me. um, And it pains me greatly to send people the, I've moved to Patreon and you have to pay me to answer your question now. I hate that more than anything in the entire world. And uh, if you have received one of those emails, you've read it and you know how like, how many times I'm like, I'm so sorry, I hate this, (laughs) but I have to. I want everything to be, you know, cohesive. Um, So Anyway, yes, Uh, so if you do become a patron and you have a training question to ask me, you don't have to wait. Um, The second you become a patron, you can send me a message, and the following week I will answer um, your message from Patreon. So, um, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, you can just, if you're a patron, even if you don't have a question, you can just send me a message in Patreon, um, and I will answer you. But I, it's important to note that if you're at the $5 tier, you are only allowed one question, and I will, I have to check, because those are the rules. I made them, but whatever. <laughs> Had to entice people to pay $10 somehow, because I like eating. Um, okay, on to the questions. I'm gonna stop babbling. Holy shit, it's been 20 minutes, I'm so sorry. Um, okay. So I'm going to lengthen that out and take a swig of water, and then we're going to get into this. Okay. Patron Catherine asks, who is one of my favorite people ever, always very active on Twitter, and so kind and says the nicest thing and has been a big help with Kissing Spine uh, for Zoe. And a lot of you keep asking about that too, and um, I keep saying that I do want to talk about it, but I have to figure out how I'm going to rehab it. And I've kind of been avoiding it because it's really overwhelming for me because like once I start it, you know, if I do a week of strength training, conditioning, muscle building, and then I take a week off, then I'm going to have to start over from like the half point there. And I don't want to do that. I want to be consistent and keep her going. And I've been really busy lately. And it's just, I haven't been able to dedicate the emotional and mental bandwidth uh, as well as physical because it is bloody hot here. Um, So I, I, it will come eventually, uh, but, uh, not yet. Uh, 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 okay. Um, so anyway, patron Catherine, one of my favorite humans ever asks, um, I know we've talked back and forth about the history with my horse and me, but for the sake of the podcast, I'll refresh. Bless you. Uh, my horse Seamus has had not the best experiences with training and has had some poorly fitted saddles in the past. He injured the ligament in his spine and then was diagnosed with kissing spine about five months ago now. We've been rehabbing and such, but haven't found a saddle perfect for him. Finally, I called uh, in my saddle fitter. We weren't riding until two weeks ago, so it wasn't the issue as there wasn't any weight on his back other than the saddle itself. So he gets, he still gets nervous when putting the saddle on, but I've been working on that. Good on you. I should also mention that we are primarily Western, although I come from the hunter world. Uh, Recently, I did decide to switch to dressage to help me get my perching habit get out of my perching habit and help me into the best position I can be. Um, okay. When the saddle fitter put on, oh my God, put the first dressage saddle on him, he was stressed. About 15 seconds later, he starts yawning. He didn't stop for at least five minutes. It seemed to be releases of tension, but do you know if there are any other reasons for him to be yawning like that other than him realizing that the saddles don't hurt or pinch him? Um, 
We test rode in them and he went really well, despite being apprehensive about me standing on the mounting block. He wants to back away. I am hoping that this is also a learned behavior. I'm just trying to stay in tune with as in tune with him as I can. Any input would be great. Okay. So believe it or not, I do have input. Um, so Catherine, my dear, or Cat, that's what your Twitter is. I don't know which one you go by. You put Catherine on here, so I'm gonna call you Catherine. Um so yawning uh actually i have the the book um, by raquel dreisma um and don't worry you don't have to spell that the book is not a very common title you can get it on amazon that's what i did i think it's like 20 or 30 bucks or something it's a little pricey but it's full color and hardcover um it's called language signs and calming signals of horses and it talks a lot about stuff like this. It's kind of a dry read, but it's all very scientific and explains her study and the correlation she found and um, her hypotheses and blah, 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 blah. Um, so yawning by her definition, and I tend to agree, um, obviously it's contextual. So I'm going to say that first, that if a horse has his eyes half closed and a foot cocked and head almost touching the ground out in his pasture just snoozing and he yawns it's likely because he's tired now if there is a lot going on there are horses running all over the place going back and forth in and out of stalls and he's standing in the cross ties watching all of this and he's yawning it could be stress um you know obviously and the the confusing thing about horses is because he could also have his head lowered and his foot cocked and look like he's super relaxed but be really stressed um and it's the reason it's confusing is because horses are prey animals with dogs you always know when something is wrong um and they're predators and they don't have to hide when they're weak or ill or sad you know horses are really good at hiding stuff and so um a lot of their stress behaviors actually look like um you know, they're just normal, calm, relaxed ones. And I think that's why things get misconstrued so often. Um, but I would say that if you are feeling that your horse is stressed, um, as you say, when uh, the fitter put the dressage saddle on him, he got stressed and then he started yawning. So I would hypothesize that there are two possibilities. I'm, I'm sure there are endless possibilities, but two that I can think of off the top of my head would be um, one is transitioning to parasympathetic nervous system. So like you said, um, releasing tension. Um, so when a horse is in their sympathetic nervous system or when humans are or anything is, um, it's your fight, flight, freeze uh, response. That is when your um, adrenaline goes up and you get like, whoa, what is going on around me? And then um, what happens is your body shuts everything else off, like your um, unnecessary things, um, and focuses on the things that can help you run away or fight off an attacker. Um, so like things like digestion don't need to happen when uh, you're terrified. <laughs> um, so that's often when horses um, are afraid. That's why they poop. Uh, because they are lightening their load and their digestive system is likely going to shut off um, because they're concerned. And um, that's where we got our licking and chewing means uh, learning thing from, uh, which is the fact that people still think that's a thing baffles me because there is so much evidence that that is not, that's who says who. Did the horse tell you it's learning? I think not. That's people putting words to it. <laughs> um, science has shown that um, when horses are licking and chewing, um, obviously if they have food in their mouths, that's not what I'm talking about. But if you, um, say, are doing join-up and you're chasing them around the round pen and um, 
then you let off the pressure and the horse lowers his head and starts licking and chewing. Um, that is the horse is, uh, actually coming down a little bit because it was so previously stressed. Um, and they lick and chew because their digestive system turns back on and therefore they have saliva in their mouth and they have to, you know, get that (laughs) under control. Um, so if you've ever, like for me, for instance, on cross country, uh, every time I would be in warm up and then I'd go into the start box, instant dry mouth. Like I felt like somebody had like just sucked all of the saliva out of my mouth. Sorry for that. Gross. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it was like just cotton mouth, so dry. And, um, the second I got done, it was like, it all turned back on. It was just because I was in like, let's go mode. And so, um, with yawning is a similar thing. It could be, um, could be, um, de-stressing, releasing tension, um, coming down from the, um, the sympathetic nervous system and trying to relax himself. It could also be a displacement behavior. Um, that is also something, uh, that is intended to calm. Um, the horses will do, um, like sometimes if you're, standing on a lunge or you have a horse on a lunge line. Sorry, I'm so bad at talking today. Um, and they rub their nose against their leg and you're kind of noticing that they like do it every now and again. It's kind of like if you're in an elevator and you look at your phone because you don't want to talk to the other person next to you. It's not because you need to look at your phone or check the bus schedule or anything like that. It's because you're trying to ease the tension and make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable. And that is called a calming signal, which is actually what um, Dreisman's book is about. Um, so if the tension is escalating for the horse, um, or trigger stacking, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on. It's, he's getting a little bit more and more triggered. Um, he could be yawning to try and appease the quote unquote aggressor or whatever he's finding, um, to be potentially threatening or scary or unknown to him. Um, you know, it's kind of like, For instance, like if you're walking past a stranger on the sidewalk and you do that like little, I don't know, the derp face, like the white people smile. (laughs) That's I think that's what the the memers call it, Um, the youth. uh, So uh, that is an appeasement behavior. It's to make yourself feel better and it is to show that you are not a threat um, to anyone else. And it is to calm both of you. And um, there are endless calming behaviors, and um, that's also something else she talks about in her book, um, how you can tell if it's a calming signal versus um, just, like, a sign of being tired, um, is if it is in conjunction with other calming signals. It's normally not the first one a horse will do. They might lick and chew with their tongue out. Um, you know, they might have, like, wide eyes or worried triangle eyes, um, their breathing might change. They might be fidgety. There are a bunch of other things that go into it, um, you know, but some horses just totally shut down and it can be a little bit difficult to tell. But um, I think the book does a really good job of talking about it. So um, recap, yawning could either be a sign that the stress is increasing for him or it's decreasing for him and he's calming himself down and kind of like talking himself out of it. Um, That is anthropomorphic. I apologize, but um, it is applicable, I believe. Um, but yeah, I really recommend that book, especially if you're somebody, um, who is not really sure, like what things that horses do mean. Like I said, 
I'm not gonna lie, it's a little bit of a dry read. She like explains scientifically what each thing is. Like instead of just assuming you know what yawning means, um, she defines it, the operational definition. Um, she also includes jaw stretch, which is different from yawning, but it still um, can be a calming signal. But all of this depends on context. And I can hear some people rolling their eyes going, oh my God, the horse is just doing its thing. It doesn't always mean it's anxiety. Um, well, you're wrong. <laughs> um, you're not wrong. But it horses are, they do tend to be a little bit of um, a stressful creature. And it's our job not to minimize that. It is not our job to tell the horse that it should get over it and that it, um, its fear is invalid. Um, because like I said, back to the mental health thing, like telling people, oh, you're not anxious. You know, you just need to calm down. You're not depressed. You just need to think happy thoughts. You you don't have ADHD. You just need to um, stop being so lazy and pay attention. And um, th- we do that to our horses a lot in this industry. And um, it causes a lot of suffering to the horses. And while mental health and horses are not the same thing, um, there are a few parallels and, um, especially with just disregarding, um, feeling and emotion. And I remember the first time I talked about all this with somebody, um, and I was just like, oh my God, we have to consider the horse's emotions. (laughs) Like I made fun of it. And now I think about that and I'm like, uh, of course horses get scared. They get, uh, happy. They get excited. They, uh, get, uh, fearful and scared of the same thing. Uh, they get angry. Um, they're like panskeps, um, core emotions or whatever. You can do research on that. I clearly have not, cause I don't even know what it's called, but it's, I know it's by panscap. It's the emotions that, um, at least horses are privy to. I know connection training, I think has some videos on that maybe on YouTube or it might be uh, private, but, um, regardless, horses do have emotions. It is scientifically proven. And, uh, to disregard them is to be selfish, I believe. And, um, I think by writing off, like, like licking and chewing, oh, the horse is learning. That's a narrative that we made up for, to, to further our cause, you know? Um, if the horse is licking and chewing while he's, um, running around the round pen, um, after you've been chasing him and you say, oh, he's coming down because he's been really stressed out so much so that his digestive system shut off. Um, It might rub you the wrong way to do join up. But if it's, oh, the horse is learning. He understood what I did just now. Then you're more likely to do it again. It's all about cognitive dissonance, my dudes. Um, You can't love the horses and be cruel to them at the same time. One of those things must not be true. So the logical thing to do is just negate the fact that it's cruel and make up stories that say it's not and force (laughs) the entire industry to believe it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. My horse doesn't have ulcers and is not colicking, um, anymore. (laughs) So I think, uh, the change has been for the better. And, uh, I think she actually enjoys my presence a little bit more. And that's not to say you can't ride and compete and do things without, um, having a horse that actually enjoys you. But I think that there are ways to do it that are more humane than, uh, what the industry currently does. Speaking of which, um, keep an eye out on my YouTube channel 
family and friends, um, or mom and friends. <laughs> and, uh, because I filmed controversial tag talk number three, it's coming out and I'm afraid, but I have to edit it. It's like a lot of footage. It's probably going to be ridiculously long, but it's fine. Uh, well, I'll get there eventually. Um, I want to make sure that I got the rest of your email, Catherine. Um, yeah, so, I mean, she said he didn't stop for at least five minutes yawning. Um, it was probably him trying to calm down. I'm sure the saddle was stressing him out, given his history uh, that you explained. Obviously, I can't know for sure because um, I don't know the horse and I don't know the rider. I don't know his history. And um, the only way that I could know for sure would be to be um, there and involved for a lengthy amount of time. But um, my best guess would be that he is um, he's experiencing some stress around riding and saddling, which would make perfect sense if he has kissing spine and has been ridden and therefore probably experienced pain while somebody's been on him. So, um, yeah, I think it's totally manageable. I did it with Zoe while she had kissing spine, <laughs> so I'm going to have to redo it again. Um, but it was actually really helpful for me because I noticed um, that despite having trained her when I started riding her more, um, she got sore and I noticed, um, her back twitching before I put the saddle on, like she was bracing for it. And, um, her facial expression was not like calm and carefree. It was like a little bit concerned and I could tell she was trying to like, um, do the behaviors that I had wanted before, which were to just relax and stand and like just hang out, relaxed face, relaxed ears, no nostrils pulled back. Um, I could tell she was like trying to because it was very subtle, but I could still tell she was uncomfortable. So, um, that's when I started exploring her back pain and also at the, I really want to use the word behest, but I'm going to be honest. I don't really know what it means at the behest of one of your suggestions. Um, just take it. I don't, I'll look it up later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I would say it, he's probably experiencing some, um, anxiety that it's going to hurt and, um, you're doing the best you can. Uh, I would recommend if, um, I can't remember, I forget where you guys are at. Um, I feel like you posted about it on Twitter and I, I forget all the details, but, um, yeah, I would, I would hold off riding. I mean, you can keep doing groundwork obviously, but, um, I would really work on, um, making it known that the saddle isn't going to cause him pain and it's really tricky with rehab because they're going to get sore like when you do get back on you know they have to adjust and just like us working out it's going to induce some soreness um so I would um just I mean I've talked about it in previous episodes and um a lot about saddle fit and how to get over girthiness and break it down and uh, make the saddle a really good thing. You just have to make sure that the horse is actually comfortable and you have to listen to them. If they're telling you it's too much, pinning their ears and um, giving you those calming signals um, that are showing that they're experiencing some stress, um, you should probably take it down a step and um, wait until they tell you that they're okay progressing. And uh, that can be done pretty easily by just... Um, you know, listening to them, going at their pace and rewarding them for, um, uh, relaxing and exhibiting the behaviors that you would like. Again, the only tricky thing is that you don't want to train them to not express that they're experiencing some discomfort. Um, 
So yeah, with that, I think I'm going to proceed to the rest of the question. We test rode him in them and he went well despite being apprehensive about me standing on the mounting block. He wants to back away. I'm hoping it's a learned behavior. I think so as well. Uh, probably the same thing as the saddle fit. He's just experiencing some anxiety because it um, has hurt in the past. Um, I wouldn't be discouraged, uh, but you will have to work on it. I mean, maybe it can be a fun thing um, to teach him to ask him. I find that it is really beneficial to teach a horse to line up to the mounting block and to, um, like with Zoe, I can teach a hip target. And that way I know um, if I ask her to line up to the mounting block, she knows what's going to happen. She knows I'm going to get on. And so if she says no, then um, I know something is wrong because she usually says yes and will do it and is happy to. So on the day that she doesn't, after a history of um, lining up and being happy to, I know we need to investigate something and something is wrong. Um, so yeah, and one of my favorite quotes, um, I have no idea who said it first, but I heard it first from Mosey Truitt, who does the In the Spirit of Horse podcast. Uh, she said that... Um, you know, she's talking about consent, which was a really hard topic for me to swallow regarding horses in the same way that emotions were. But, um, that like, you can't get a true yes from your horse unless you respect the nose. And everybody goes, well, what, how can I train my horse if he just says, cause he's just going to say no. Well, you have to make the training good enough that he'll say yes. And that's what I've really been working on the past couple of years with Zoe. And that's what I'm working on with all the baby horses. And they are so game to participate because they are itchy everywhere. So um, you have to make the training something that the horse enjoys. And uh, that way you get real yeses. And um, they learn how to play the game. And they learn that if they do what you ask successfully and they solve the puzzle, then they, um, they get snacks. And, uh, it's very enriching and thought provoking for them. And it's just, I could go on all day about it and I should probably shut up. Hey, speaking of shutting up, um, I would pet you, but you will just, you keep, you will, your mouth is still open. Archibald. Okay. I have to pet him. Um, I'm positively reinforcing your behavior. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, I think, I think you're on the right track, uh, cat. You just need to, um, you know, take it slow and break it down, uh, at his rate. Um, maybe read the learning or language signs and calming signals of horses. That makes things a little bit easier. Cause if you can catch those signs, um, then you can back up before you get too far, you know? Um, but yeah, I think you got it. I know you're smart and anal like I am and you'll think about it to death and make sure that it's done well. Um, okay. Next question. This one is a little bit long. I'm going to get a drink of water. A cat is going to meow at me. Please get down. You can't, your claws are very sharp on my legs. He says, but I really want pets. Do you want to come up here? Archie, come here. Whoop. Okay. Now he's on my lap. Mm -mm. If you're going to be here, you must be silent. Okay. Um, anonymous patron asks, my horse is reason. Okay. Also, I want to say, if you don't tell me in your message um, that you would like your name mentioned or you wouldn't, I'm just going to assume you want it to be anonymous. So um, please let me know <laughs> if you want it to be anonymous or if you want your name said. Um, it doesn't matter to me either way, but it is nice to break it up and not just be like, well, anonymous number one. Um, but totally up to you. And also uh, let me know 
if you're at a higher tier if uh, you want it to not be on the podcast. Um, okay, so Anonymous Patron asks, my horse is reasonably established with positive reinforcement and we're currently working on more complex behaviors, uh, starting him on the ground, working under saddle, positive reinforcement. Um, so number one, uh, recently, as in the last two sessions, he has started pawing at the ground, uh, assuming out of frustration. And last session, he kicked out at me, not at me, at the air, when I asked him for a um, foundation behavior with a high reinforcement rate. Do you mean history? A high reinforcement history, if it's a foundation behavior? Or were you reinforcing? That's, okay. I'm going to explain why my hang-up is on that, because if... He kicked out when you asked for a foundation behavior that had a high reinforcement rate. It might not have been quick enough if it had been really fast previously. You can't be on the table. Oh, wow, your butthole is crusty. That's gross. Rubbed on my arm. I hated that. Um, anyway, <laughs> clean your... You're a cat. That's like your one and only job, Archibald. Anyway, um, okay, I'm assuming you mean high reinforcement history. Um, he literally did the behavior... Uh, hip targeting to a stick that we always use and he has no negative association with but rushed it and then did a little kick out my deduction that given it's winter here he's more hungry and is rushing to get the food and is impatient with the process so i'm starting to give him his feed uh before sessions instead of after as well as alternating between scratches and treats which are low value chaff pellet as reinforcer just wondering if there's anything else that i missed here that could be the issue or reasonable to assume that it's a source of frustration so i want to say that i really like this question because you have not only hypothesized about the question you have adjusted for it and tried to um set up the environment which is just the best the best hallmark of a lima trainer which is least intrusive minimally aversive you can look up the humane hierarchy which there's some argument over that but it's a good basis where you start with the environment setting up um the training location for success um you know training a new behavior with at a racetrack not a good idea <laughs> there's a lot going on it's going to be very distracting um, so set the environment up for success. I love what you're doing. Um, you know, if he's, if you think he's getting a little, um, food anxious, feeding before is always a good idea. Um, say, 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 oh my God, satiation, say, say, oh my God, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> um, he's been sated. Uh, he's full. That's what we'll go with. Um, so if he's full going into it, he's not going to be as, um, as motivated with the food, but I also have another hypothesis, uh, that it could be. So a similar thing actually happened to me with Zoe the other day. Um, and I got it on film and I think I posted it on Twitter because I did not want to post it on Instagram. Cause I, it's, it's not totally positive reinforcement accepting yet. And, uh, I feel like people would have been like, see, this is why positive reinforcement is dangerous. But um, what happened was me and Zoe were having a really high energy session. I was having her do a lot of trotting and um, she was like really feeling herself. Like she was lifting up through her shoulders and rounding her neck and like looked really awesome. And so I kind of like went a little bit, I asked for too much <laughs> and um, I knew she was getting um, over aroused. And no, I don't mean it in the naughty sense, but in the sense that she's just like getting really excited and it's like really salient because she started um, nickering at me while um, I was working with her. And I noticed she, she's been doing that more recently because I have um, not been working with her as frequently. So um, she gets really excited when I do work with her and it makes her vocal. 
and uh, that's a sign that she's getting um, over aroused and that is what led to what happened and I knew I knew she was you know over threshold in excitement because she was nickering at me the whole time and um, if you don't know I like the the little sound they make where they're like here ha yep that's the one <laughs> anyway uh, so I then went to walk around behind her because I think she changed sides on me and cut me off and sometimes it's easier if I just go behind her to reset because then I'm not like in front of her and she's not gonna back up you know I don't know if that makes any sense but um when I went to walk around behind her um I was in the place where I normally cue a hip target and she just guessed and she assumed that I wanted a hip target so she hopped sideways and I thought she kicked out at me until I looked at the footage and I was like oh okay uh, but um, it was really cute actually to watch because she saw me walk behind her and she looked at me and then she just like did like a like kind of a little kicked her heels up thing um, but jumped to the side like a hip target and it was very well done. It was very balanced. Um, <laughs> and you can watch it on Twitter. Um, my handle is Jet Equithery, but um, she she just was overexcited. So that's what I'm thinking may have happened here, anonymous patron, uh, is that um, maybe your horse is was getting a little overexcited, especially maybe if he was um, hungry and uh, wanting food. And it's a behavior that he knows pretty well. Like, for Zoe, she really likes hip targeting. She knows she is very good at it. And she gets big rewards when she does it because it's a harder behavior. So I always reward heavily for it. And um, given all the other information that you said, hip targeting and he's no negative association. Um, so it might have been uh, frustration or it might have been over arousal. I don't know. You said he was pawing before. Um, and that is a sign of frustration. Usually, um, the horse is impatient or confused. Uh, and usually I would take a step back and work on really calm, relaxed, easy behaviors like head lowering or just standing still. And, um, you know, something that the horse is good at that doesn't require any movement like hip targeting is, uh, quite a bit of movement. Um, so maybe something that's like really low energy, like, if I were a better trainer, uh, when Zoe was getting really, um, really enthusiastic and hyper and nickering at me when she was doing the trot, um, I probably would have brought it back down because training needs balance. So for as many behaviors as you're doing that are, Archie, oh my God, you just cannot get comfortable. Um, as many trainers, as many behaviors that you're doing that are, forward and energetic you need to balance out with relaxed behaviors um the horse needs to know how to go up in energy and come back down and that's what i should have done in my session obviously i wasn't here for this um, patron session but um it really does make the difference and then you don't get those um potentially dangerous situations where you have your horse hopping at you with their hind end and you're like oh my god i'm about to die um so no you cannot get on the desk um so, yeah, um, I think it's totally reasonable to assume that it might be um, frustration. I would make those changes that you um, talked about, maybe lowering the value of the reinforcer, feeding him before. And um, for some horses, it can just take a while to, um, you know, 
get really comfortable and know the deal with positive reinforcement, even if they've been doing it for a few months. Um, you know, you're talking about um, you're working on more complex behaviors and he's pretty well established, which is great. Um, but sometimes, you know, you have to make those small changes like reinforcement value and um, uh, wow, train of thought just hit a wall on that one. Um, sh you can't talk. I'm talking. It says, I have thoughts too, Jill. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, I think you're doing the right thing. I think you're on the right track. Um, you know, again, like it could be the over arousal or over excitement about food. And both of those could actually be happening at the same time. You know, he's hungry and he's frustrated and he's, um, really excited and over, over the top because he, um, really wants the treat. Um, so, you know, it could be both, it could be neither, we don't know, but I think you're on the right track with um, the changes that you're making. And um, if after you make those changes and nothing, um, if nothing <laughs> changes, sorry, I hate to say that again, um, uh, then it's probably not frustration like we thought. So you might have to try um, doing a different um, training order or, um, oh my God, Archie, or training at a different time. Um, or changing the way that you train. I mean, you might be asking too much too quickly. That's frustrating him. Um, you know, there are any number of things. Or maybe potentially something that you're asking is painful. Um, that's something else that I probably should have said off the bat um, since I decided to talk about the humane hierarchy. Um, maybe he has, like, a hip is out or a rib is out or he's got some SI pain. And when he moves laterally like that, when he reaches his back leg out sideways, it causes some pain and then he's retaliating a little bit. There could be any number of things. Um, so I would start with the cheaper option, which is to keep working on it and see if you can adjust um, – what time you work with them around feed time and uh, the salience of what you're working with, the reinforcer. Um, but yeah, okay, so question number two for this patron is, I'm also finding that he's rushing to offer new behaviors, which I assume is part of the same issue, I would agree, uh, continuing here. As usually, he's quite methodical and just really thinks about what I'm asking and how to respond. I'm just waiting until he stops or gently... Uh, correct the behaviors, the offered behaviors, i.e. if the horse moves his shoulders towards me, I asked him to yield them back to the original position and then start again. Um, and then clearly ask for the behavior again to make sure I'm clicking and treating for any small effort uh, to make my requests, sorry, I'm blowing on a bug, <laughs> uh, uh, clear, okay, and then clearly ask for their behavior again, make sure I'm clicking and treating for any small effort to make my request clear and highly reinforced for him. Again, I'm wondering if I've missed anything here or if there's a better, clear way for me it's correcting these issues or am I on the right track? It's so hard finding decent info about troubleshooting positive reinforcement issues with horses beyond the basics given the shortage of trainers. I feel you. I find myself uh, going to dog resources half of the time. Yes, <laughs> same. Uh, update, I'm 95% sure he's sore. Oh my god, I even copied and pasted that into my notes and didn't even think about it until I just read that. Um, there you go. Having a body worker out for him, so I'm finding any advice you have, feel free to ignore this message if it negates it. Um, so... Uh, that that was going to be my point with uh, question number two. I was like, if he's normally really methodical and quiet, what changed? Like something's different. And he like horses are horses. It's possible he rolled and threw something out or he slipped and fell or he got bucking and running and playing and took a wrong step or threw something out. 
who knows? The other day, the chiropractor and body worker came out, and Zoe was really sore up on her back, like, kind of over her flank, but towards her barrel. And uh, I I was like, what? And, like, she was, like, not having it with the chiropractor, and I had to, like, really reinforce her um, for standing still while the chiropractor was working on her, and she was very worried the whole time, and I was like, I'm so sorry. It'll make you feel better. Um, And uh, so... I, who knows? Because Zoe has just been existing in a paddock. So I don't know what she gets up to, but they are very good at injuring themselves. So I think that is probably what you're working with here. It could be painful for him to um, move around. And that would be my best guess for why it has changed so abruptly. Um, as for what you um, mentioned with the um, incorrect behaviors, um, so... I watched something the other day. I forget. It might have been Mustang Maddie's story post, um, whom I love, by the way. She is absolutely incredible, and I wish she would make a freaking podcast because she talks so much on her stories, and I would just love to listen to them on a podcast. And um, she has a really some really interesting stories and points of view, and I really respect her as a horsewoman and an advocate, and it's just fantastic. Um, but I think it was her. I could be totally wrong, but she posted about like the incorrect behaviors and correcting horses and stuff like that. And God, I can't even, I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Cause I can't really remember what she said, but, um, it, it gave me a, an interesting perspective because I do the same thing. And even today when I was working with Zoe, um, she changes sides so bad. Like if I'm trying to do a Liberty circle, we get to, uh, the part of the field, uh, that's like going towards the barn and she'll switch to the side that's farthest from the barn. Um, so <laughs> like think about a square and, uh, on either side there are paddocks and then at one end there's a barn and at the other end there's woods. And so we're going around in a circle at the woods side. She kind of drifts towards the woods and is out on like a perfect distance for me. Like it's like, I don't know, maybe like a yard or two yards away from me love it. And then when we start going towards the barn, she, uh, cuts in and like puts, positions herself to where it's still, um, her than me than the barn, if that makes sense. So she's still closer to the woods than I am. And, um, it's really frustrating (laughs) when I'm trying to, um, do a circle and I find myself correcting her and asking her to move her shoulders back over. I do the same thing, but, um, whoever posted that, I really think it was Maddie really got me thinking about, um, correction and, um, because it's kind of the same mentality. Like if the horse walks forward and you back them up because they entered your space and then you use backing as a punishment, it's kind of that same mentality. Obviously it's softer and they're still getting rewarded, but you're like, nope, wrong horse, go back to where you were, um, get out of my space. And, um, I think there's a different way to approach it. I'm going to have to think on that a little bit more because that's something I want to, um, be cognizant of in my training, um, because there's, there's obviously a reason she's doing it. All behavior exists because of reinforcement history and for a reason. So there's, there's something that is making her change sides because I have, dude, I have done the same thing. I have worked incrementally. I have tried not to increase too quickly. I have tried to ask for small steps, but still for some reason, I, I'm going to have to try like cones or, um, reintroducing a target stick to follow. Um, she just tends to get really 
angry about target sticks. Uh, she chases them, but she's been better about it. It's just like, I'd rather just not use one. Um, I don't like carrying things. Um, but it could be a useful training tool and we can fade it out eventually. Anyway, I'm trying to cover all my bases so I don't say anything offensive. Um, cause I know some people love using target sticks all the time. And, uh, I start everybody with a target stick. I just don't like having them on me all the time. Um, it's just personal preference. Just like I don't use, like using a handheld clicker. I use my sound and, um, but I don't know. I use a handheld clicker for other animals like my dog and my cat. Um, but just for horses, I just like being hands-free. Um, the only problem with that sound is it's not very loud. And if the horse is in like arena sand and they're trotting, you, it's hard to hear. Um, but luckily my horse is unrideable. So, uh, we're getting there. Okay. Um, anyway, I don't know. I just, I like that you said, I'm wondering if I've missed anything here, if there's a clear, better way for me to be correcting these issues or am I on the right track? Okay. So yeah, I mean, I think I essentially answered that at, um, I think it's it's up to you and how you would like to train. Uh, me personally, I do the same thing, and I am thinking that that's something that I maybe want to change um, and not be so correction-oriented, I guess, because that still is a – not that all traditional mindsets and ideas needed to be, need to be weeded out, but it's, um, it's something that kind of perpetuates that um, – alpha, I'm the leader status. Um, you know, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. It also, um, makes you as the trainer frustrated. Cause I know, cause it's really frustrating for me when Zoe switches sides on me and I'm like, Oh my God, how many times do we have to do this? But there's something that, um, is telling her to keep doing that. And that's what I need to address. Not the fact that, um, you know, she's doing the wrong behavior over and over again. I need to address the reason, not the symptom. I hope that makes sense. And I'm explaining that well. Um, but I think that pretty much answers that question. Uh, oh my God, we're at an hour and that is the difference in podcast gel and Adderall. We are very thorough. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to take one more drink of water and we're getting into the last question. I got to crush it. Sorry for your ears. Yeah. I'm a real bro. Crush my water bottles. That's just so I don't have to go to the dump as often. Also, don't come at me for using water bottles. I hate it and I want to stop, but I have well water and um, filter systems do not work on it and it smells like eggs and it's disgusting and I have a problem. Um, Wally, what are you doing? He said, I'm being crazy. I'm chasing Archie. Um, okay. Our final anonymous patron. Dun, da, da, da. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Whoop. And that would be my cat galloping into my bathroom. Um, okay. Question reads, I lease an OTTB gelding and he is amazing. He is, his name is Sky, and he's 16 years old. He's truly an amazing horse, but has been refusing a good amount lately. It has definitely lowered my confidence. And I was wondering if you have any advice about anything that may help. We rearranged our jumping arena. So that may be a part of the problem, but I have since, um, but since I have only been riding a year, I am still new to all this and definitely not the most experienced. I will take any advice or criticism. I'm very grateful. Uh, thank you so much for all your help. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Um, okay, so, yeah. Also, a lot of you have sent me really, really sweet messages about the podcast and your stories with your horses and stuff. And it is absolutely heartwarming. And I really appreciate you guys sending me 
all of the stories and how the podcast and my training has impacted you. It makes my day and it makes me feel like I'm not shouting into the void. So thank you to those of you who say kind things to me. I appreciate it because I am insecure. Um, anyway, so to answer your question, I would say that, um, it's kind of hard to answer because I don't have enough information. Um, what type of jumps is he refusing? Hey, settle down. Uh, what type of jumps is he refusing at? Um, does his saddle fit? Is he sore somewhere? That's usually the first place I would go. I mean, I talked about the humane hierarchy. Environment is number one. If he's a little uncomfortable because the arena's changed, maybe flat him in there for a week or two weeks and just do flat work and don't jump. Just work around them. Let him get comfortable with it. If you can, maybe just turn him out in there or turn him out with a buddy so he's not like totally psyched out. Um, those are some possible solutions. It depends on your barn and what you're allowed to do. Um, but yeah, that could be a potential solution. Um, if after you've like flatted him for a week and he's still refusing, um, you know, I, I don't know, I would also consider the vet prior to riding extensively, um, maybe have a chiropractor out and see if he's out somewhere or if he's sore, um, or a body worker, they're usually pretty good, um, body workers and chiropractors at finding, um, where the horse is sore and, um, then that can give you an indication of like where to look, um, for pain. So like if they're sore on their, I don't know, if they're sore on their right shoulder, um, but they're really tight on their left one, uh, something could be going on in the uh, right leg or foot that, um, is making them overcompensate with that opposite leg. And it's really tight over there cause they're putting a lot of their weight on it. Um, you know, it can give you a, a lot of hints, um, but usually horses refuse because they're either confused, in pain, or afraid. And uh, I can't think of really any other reason that they, they would refuse. I could be totally wrong and that could be overly simplistic. But usually I think it's pretty much one of those three. They're either afraid of the jump um, or afraid of jumping. It could be difficult and confusing uh, to manage their bodies like that. And you might need to lower the fences, um, take it back a step. I would probably do that anyway if he um, is a little bit finicky about the arena changing. Um, but, I mean, at 16 years old, usually horses are pretty um, pretty adjusted to their surroundings. They're, I mean, some horses, any change, if you put the wheelbarrow in a different place than usual, it can scare them, um, you know, no matter the age. However, usually 16-year-old horses are, like, pretty chill and, like, got, got a good handle that things are not always the same. And um, they've been a lot of places, seen a lot of things, had a lot of experiences. Um, but to consider that he is an OTTB and he um, is 16... Uh, he could be experiencing some pain. That would be the route that I would go. Um, usually if horses stop or start stopping, maybe he's, um, if he's cross cantering behind or having trouble picking up his lead or really lethargic, not going forward, um, that could be a sign of hawks. He might need his hawks or his stifles done. I forget which one it is. There's like a, like a key, like if they're weird at the trot, it's stifles. And if they're weird at the canter, it's hawks. I don't know. There's some information on that out there somewhere. Um, that's like a 
I don't know, I guess like a cheat sheet, but who knows. <laughs> um, and the wonderful thing is like things like kissing spine can cause hawk problems like it did for Zoe. So it could also be that. Um, kissing spine is rampant among uh, thoroughbreds and uh, racehorses and things of that nature. Um, I think it's probably due to genetics, confirmation issues, potentially being started um, incorrectly. Like, not that the training is necessarily bad, um, but just being, like, inverted and not working over their top line because they're baby horses that are designed to run. Um, Sometimes that can um, cause some issues with, um, you know, their spine and uh, make them spinal processes kiss it's called overriding spinal processes i forget what the other term is there's one that's like less severe that just means they're like touching um but yeah so that could be uh something to explore um i would probably have a body worker or a chiropractor out and point me in the right direction of where to start but sometimes um you know especially thoroughbreds um that have run before um or have had um competition careers prior to you riding them um even just general riding really can be hard on a horse especially if they have confirmation issues or their feet sit a certain way or their shoes were too heavy like endless amounts of uh variables can cause pain and arthritis um thoroughbreds do tend to be kind of like i feel like arabs are the poodles what are thoroughbreds i don't know (laughs) they're just a little bit uh finicky and delicate so you have to um, just keep up with that. He might need a joint supplement. Uh, he might need um, just a little bit of help um, to get him back going and comfortable. Um, mad props to you for recognizing this and not just being like, yep, I have to beat him over the fence and make him do it because he's being disrespectful and he should jump. And I completely disagree with that. And I love that you are a new rider and you're thinking about this and you're concerned for the horse and you're wanting to do the best by him. Um, I am a firm believer that animals do not just act up because they want to. Um, I think they, they're, they usually have a pretty good reason, um, because horses are bred and designed to work with humans. And, um, I think that we, um, should, take that responsibility seriously and help them exist in the human world as, um, best and calmly and, uh, with as much understanding as possible. So I would say that, uh, you probably just need to have him looked at, um, make sure he's not sore anywhere, make sure his shoes are on correctly, um, doesn't have a hot nail or anything, um, I don't know. There are endless possibilities, and that's why I'm saying like body worker is probably the probably your best um, starting point. Body worker or a and body body worker. I mean like um, Zoe has a muscle therapist, and so do I. Only because I am helping her with her website and social media and things of that nature. So that is the only way I can afford that. Um, but yeah, she is fantastic and is very good at listening to the body and knowing how to release all that tension. And it was so cool the last time she came out because the past couple of times she's been here, I think this most recent time was her third or fourth time. 
And the times before that, Zoe just fought her the whole time by she was running me over, uh, would not stand still. And I hate to give her treats because Cammy, my uh, body worker, she is looking for relaxation signs, um, you know, dropping her head or sighing or um, some hard blinking. Like there are a bunch of like little signs that um, can indicate relaxation from releasing tension. Like if you've ever looked at the Masterson method or anything like that. Um, so I kind of hate to like be giving her snacks the whole time, but, um, sometimes she just won't stand, um, because it's uncomfortable and it hurts. And it's so weird because Cammy has like a, you know, a little bit more than a feather light texture, uh, texture. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. What is the word? I'm, I'm blanking so hard. That's how I know it's time to go to bed. Um, feather light pressure on Zoe, maybe just a little bit more. And it's, it's an acupressure point usually, and uh, helping the fascia, uh, I don't even know what the term is, uh, man, I've spent like all day working on her website and writing about this stuff and I forgot, but just to like get her body all moving in the same direction essentially and unlocked and the past couple of times Zoe just was so bad <laughs> and uh, bad in the sense that it was behavior that I did not like, but she was just expressing this is very uncomfortable. I don't know what this lady's doing. It doesn't feel good, blah, blah, blah. Um, this most recent time was really cool because she looked drugged and I was just holding her the whole time and she's just hanging out. Her eyes were closed. Um, all the blood was rushing to her head because it was so low. Like she looked drugged. She was just chilling. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that horse with the, like, sagging bottom lip. And it was just so relaxed, just hanging down, just chilling. Her ears are out to the side. And I was like, Cammy, what did you do? And she was like, I didn't do anything. I'm just doing my thing over here. And I was like, this is crazy. I could not get over it because she's never like that. Um, and <laughs> I was talking to Cammy, and I was like, this is so weird because this is arguably the most anxious, tense horse on the farm. And she was like, I agree because <laughs> um, she's worked on a lot of our horses out here. And Zoe is by far the most interesting case. Um, but she just holds so much of her tension and it's funny cause she like won't let go of it until we walk away. So, um, after we leave her, you hear all the big sighs and blowing out her nose and shaking her body and like loosening things up. But, um, that time she did all of that with us and we were like, Oh my God, progress. She's finally trusting Cammy and me and relaxing. And it was, it was a really good moment. So it can be really powerful. Uh, to get that stuff done. Um, yeah, what time are we at here? We're at an hour and 13 minutes. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably going to wrap her up there. Um, I've been talking for a long time, but today has been a really long one because I woke up and forgot that I was supposed to be an hour away from here. And I had 30 minutes to get ready, so I did that. And for some of you, you may be like, Pahaha, Jill. That's so much time. I could have slept in for 15 more minutes. That's not how I work. I have very bad acne at the moment and lots of ugly bumps on my face that I'm trying desperately to get rid of. And I know nobody else probably cares, but I hate them and I want them off my face. So I am uh, just, I have to have to have something on, you know, got to get ready. And it takes me a long time to like get going and awake. Um, so yeah, so got up and ended up being like 10 minutes late and then worked with her and her pony for a couple hour or an hour and a half. And then I drove the hour back and then I got here and worked on online stuff for, from 11 until like, 
7 or 8 p.m. <laughs> like, I just, I worked all day long. I took breaks, but I just was so, just trying to get all my stuff done. Um, and, yeah, I have so much more to do. I have so many videos to edit. I think I filmed, filmed a Breaches Collection video. Um, a, oh, God, what is it called? A Controversial Tack Talk Part 3. And there's a third one. Oh, my Tattoos and Piercings video, so... Uh, be on the lookout for those and subscribe to me on YouTube, but hopefully I'm going to get those edited in the next couple of days. I also have to do my homework at some point because I have been doing everything else <laughs> and working with all of the baby ponies. Oh my God, Azula is, she's so good. I was talking to Sunny and I was like, it's so funny. Sunny's my boss, by the way, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> I was like, it's so funny because we've had Azula for like, what, maybe a month, two months, I, a month, I think. I don't know. Um, and she knows how to pick up all four feet, how to halter, and how to lead. And the other babies know how to halter. <laughs> and Sterling, the Appaloosa, doesn't even know how to halter because I have not touched him. Because I have a thing with him and his mom. They're just not my favorite animals. But I worked with them today, and they were so good. Both of them were so relaxed and allowed me <laughs> to actually, like, get somewhere. Because he was just, like, being a little unpredictable. His mom came from a kill pen and, from the looks of it, a very abusive circumstance before. And um, she just acts like she did not have a good life. She's very shut down and, like, does not care about anything and will run you over. And um, so, naturally, her child has... Uh, either been modeled to or inherited that anxiety so he's a little bit um wiggy and unpredictable and that nothing bothers me more than unpredictability and i know people say that horses are super unpredictable no they're not they're absolutely not unpredictable if you don't know them they are um but those two they are unpredictable because they they go over thresholds so fast and it's hard to catch it but um i'm working with them more but um it's just azula is obviously my favorite and I love her and um actually some really exciting thing that I can't believe I haven't said anything about yet um I actually talked to Sunny the other night so I have to do laundry at her house now and uh I was talking to her and I was like you know I just hate it because I am going to be working with Azula and uh teaching her positive reinforcement and then she's going to go off to the track and nobody's going to do that and she was like well maybe you could break her yourself. And I was like, that is an interesting thing that you just said. <laughs> and um, so she might not be leaving because like that would mean she would have to leave in uh, the November of her, what is it? Two-year-old year? Three-year-old? No, I'm pretty sure it's two. The November of her two-year-old year before she turns three in January. Um, cause that's normally when they go off to get, um, broke to ride and start race training. And she was like, that way she could stay with us for a couple more months and you can, um, break her yourself, which would be really cool. Um, I want to preface by saying that, um, obviously not a huge fan of breaking that early. Uh, I would really rather not, but out of the two evils, I would rather break her myself than have somebody else do it. Um, because I think, think I can do it pretty sure. And, um, I just think she'd have a better experience that way, um, than just being gotten on <laughs> in a stall and then, uh, whatever happens, happens. Um, I know they do it, uh, pretty kindly, uh, cause I keep saying, uh, I'm really sorry. 
Sonny's trainer is a really kind, gentle trainer, and they do everything by code. They do not drug their horses. They do not run them past uh, past what their bodies can handle. And, uh, oh my god, I keep saying, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, so they, they're really good at being kind and listening to the horse. And if they're showing any signs of discomfort or soreness, Sunny pulls them immediately and they either get rehab, the surgery they need or, um, brought home. And now my stance on racing is I just, I really wish they weren't started that early, but other industries are not exempt. Uh, look at eventing and the three-year-old classes and the future event horse, uh, all the free jumping, uh, in our industry, there are four-year-olds running prelim huh? No, because you have to be running like at least novice as a three-year-old to get there. And that's just so, so bad for the animal. It's worse than racing, in my opinion, uh, to be jumping a young horse that high. Um, because those horses, it's just, it's also often not done by people who build them up correctly. Um, but in racing, at least it's a small, light person uh that's riding them and i know sunny's trainer and he is a super kind man and sunny does not let them do any of the race tracky things like ear twitching or anything like that um and obviously not all race trainers uh and jockeys and grooms do those sorts of things but it is it is pretty common and so i would just rather be able to break her myself and she would be my first which would be really dope because i've never done it before Uh, i think i can Uh, She is progressing so, so quickly, and I'm learning how to read her, and by then, I mean, that's a whole, like, year and a half over, a year and a half away from now, so it's plenty of time to keep developing our relationship and building that trust and uh, making her really confident, and um, by then, it'll be a game, and then she'll be like, oh, what are we doing today, and she'll be really excited for what's coming, and trying to guess the right answer and it won't be quite so scary because it won't just be like she got in a trailer one day and went somewhere random and now is there people climbing on her back um so hopefully it will go better and hopefully i'll be around to do the same for astro and dexter who will not be broken until much later because they are warm bloods and warm bloods tend to take a little bit longer to reach full height um i'm pretty sure sunny wants to break them at the end of their three-year-old year, which I'm still kind of like pushing for like, let's wait until four at least. Uh, so, but yeah, I just, I hate that Azula has to get broken sooner, but, um, it would be nice to do it myself because then I would know how she was trained and then she'll go race and hopefully she will suck. And then she will have to come home. Ah, part of me wants her to do well because I, it would just like, cause she's awesome. And I think that would be cool. But the other part of me is like, mm, don't really love the idea of her getting <laughs> hit with a whip a ton. Um, but currently she is not my horse, so I do not have a say in whether or not she races. It's, I just, I don't have a choice. She will race. And so I would rather be the one to break her if she has to get broken that early. I hope I'm making that clear. And yeah, so I'm excited about that. Cause I think it'll be fun and it'll be a really cool little notch in my, my bridle there. I don't know how you say it in terms of horse. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
I don't know, just kind of want to update you guys on that. She's coming along so well. And I'm probably not going to teach her to do much more because she is still like six months old. But um, just being able to lead is nice because uh, our other two babies do not know how to lead. They just paw and attack the leader up the whole time. So they're going to have to have to work on it. But uh, if you want to see how I have been training her, I do have a training video series all up on my YouTube. It's under Azula. And uh, it's a whole playlist of the first haltering sessions from day one until I got the halter on. And then her leading sessions and uh, picking up all four feet. Um, and all of them were done in like one session, except for the haltering. Um, because she was really no shy when we got her. Also, she was feral. <laughs> um, but for the leading and the picking her feet up, both of those were done in like under 15 minute sessions, which is wild she's so smart and also she has a good trainer <laughs> I'm kidding but um she is really helping me learn because I've never had to teach a horse how to do any of that never had to teach a horse how to like lead or pick up their feet haltering I did have to work on that with Mac and I taught Zoe to self-halter and uh them plus flit to uh self-bridle but like just haltering in general when they've never had something on their face before it's been a really cool experience uh to to work with. So yeah, I think that that just about covers everything that I want to say. I will hopefully be doing some videos with the boys soon, but um, kind of just am enjoying my little Zuzu bean and my Zazu bean. And yeah, so now I'm actually going to wrap it up. If you want, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, all at Jet Equithery. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash jetrealpodcast. You can also uh, get there from my website, which is just jetequithery.com. And you can listen to this podcast anywhere that you would like to. And if you are unable to become a Patreon, no worries. These podcasts still have ads, so you're still helping put food on my microwave. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you listening and, um, being there for me again. I want to apologize one last time for the, um, uh, let's call it what it is a fuck up on the, uh, medication ADHD thing. I hope that I have assuaged, assuaged some concerns on that front. I, um, did not mean what it sounded like. Uh, but yeah, I hope the training questions also helped. And I hope that you guys stay tuned. I will stop talking now. And I'll t talk talk. Uh, I'll talk to you again on Tuesday. Uh, just if you're okay, like if you want to, but like, don't worry about it. If like, it's okay. If you don't like you can you can be honest if you don't want to. But it'll be on Tuesday. Like just, you know, okay. Okay. Oh, one more thing. The live stream. If you want this month in, uh, this will go live on Tuesday. So you have Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 5 PM on Friday is when, um, I will be doing the live stream. So it'll be the first one. I'll be able to answer your training questions and, um, yeah, I'll post the link at four. So everybody is ready and prepared. Um, it'll be my first one. So there might be some rocky bumps but hopefully we will all get there um it'll just be made as a post on patreon so i hope we're all on the same page um if you do have any questions or concerns feel free to message me on patreon or dm me um or shoot me an email probably just shoot me an email i answer my emails faster than dms uh, okay now i'm actually gonna stop talking oh wait follow the podcast on 
uh, Facebook and Instagram also. It's Jet Real Podcast. Okay, now I'm done talking. Thank you. I'll catch you guys next Tuesday. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye.